is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Top of the circle for control. As you can hear. Now to Johnson, right wing. He'll get to the middle. His shot scores! Kent Johnson wires it from the top of the circle off the glove of Skinner and in and Columbus will win this 3-2 in overtime. Well there's the goal that ends the Edmonton Oilers six game winning streak. Kent Johnson 229 into the three on three. Blue Jackets take it 3-2 and Johnson loves playing overtime games at Rogers Place because when he did it in August at the World Juniors, he got the gold medal winning goal. So the Oilers with a 2-1 lead after two, they can't hang on to it, and they settle for a single point tonight. So their record on the season now 27-18-4. They are 6-0-1 in their last seven, but once again, a win streak stops at six. They have not won more than six straight since March of 2001, and the home ice record, Rob, 12-11-3. You know, they, they, they looked like they were going a little better on home. And then tonight, now it wasn't a two-goal lead tonight, but still a lead going to the third against one of the worst teams in the league that had three road victories coming into this game, and the Oilers can't put it away. Uh, they couldn't. And uh, be honest, Columbus was the better team in the third period. They came out with a push. They got a, a big goal from a young kid to tie it up on just a hard-working goal, taking it from behind the net in front and out-battling a couple... Oiler defenseman. It was uh, a game that the Columbus Blue Jackets probably had a little bit more urgency in their game, uh, a little over desperation. We talked before the game that uh, if Columbus hangs around, they have players on their team that are capable of winning a game, so you want to try to beat them in the first 20 minutes. The Oilers weren't able to do that. Part of it was on the back of great goaltending for the Blue Jackets. And then in, you get into overtime, well, not a lot of teams can match up with the Edmonton Oilers with uh, who you can put out there, but Columbus, they 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 don't have top to bottom depth, but they do have some good young players. And, and the kid, as you just said, Johnson, who scored for the World Juniors, he had the two best opportunities in overtime in two shifts he was out there. What patience. 20-year-old kid walking the line in overtime. And I I thought the Oilers, it was in the bag. Uh, when you go into overtime 3-3, three three, you're looking for your best skilled players your, your quickest players well this is where columbus gets into trouble they on the back end they're uh, they're missing some really good players gabranson was out on the three on three i don't know if he's ever been in a three on three situation again and he was just cruising in front of the net causing havoc in front of skinner but it was a game that the Edmontoners, i don't believe played their best and the columbus blue jackets made them pay yeah, Columbus hung around. and They did a couple nights ago in, in Calgary as well. The shot differential was a lot more, but they scored a couple quick power play goals and hung in there to get the game into overtime. And Corpus Salo was, was a big part of the game, getting three out of four points here coming through Alberta. He made 45 saves in the overtime loss to Calgary, and he stops 34 tonight. And, and I'm sure the Oilers are saying we needed to get more pucks in or, or get more pucks into the into the crease area and, and get some more great opportunities. I did think you know, sure, when you lose a game, you could have shot more or whatever, but Corpusella was was very good. I mean, fully deserving to be the first star uh, tonight. He was excellent in this hockey game. There was a, a, a number of grade-A scoring chances that, oh, this is, oh, no, big save. Oh, there, 
and, and none bigger than the one he made on Leon Dreisaitl, uh, he was dialed in. And to win on the road, you need great goaltending. And the Columbus Blue Jackets certainly got that tonight and allowed them to hang close and gave their team belief on the bench. And then after two periods, the game was close. That's where the Columbus Blue Jackets all of a sudden picked up their intensity a little bit, and I don't think the Oilers matched it. Both goalies were good. Corpus Allo was just a little bit better. So 3-2, the Blue Jackets take it. Their road record, 4-15-2 away from home. So they, they don't get a lot done away from home, but they uh, they stick with it tonight. Ha having said that, they're 1-0-1 in their last two. <laughs> That's true. So they've turned it around. Yeah, that's that's very true. All right, let's uh, go at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Need one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit eclipse247.ca. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. Was that a, um, a point gained or a point lost in your mind? Uh, I don't look at it either way. We and we walked out of the, the rink tonight with one point. I thought it was a competitive game from both teams. In the end, we made uh, a couple of mistakes defensively. It ended up in goals against for us, but we did some good things as well and walk out of the rink with one point tonight. You you had played for six games, pretty direct hockey. Um, tonight, a lot of long hope passes, frankly. Uh, a game that didn't resemble the last six at all. You know, sort of where does it go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have that pessimistic of a view of the game uh, just on initial thought I'll see how I rewatch it in the morning but um, you know I thought in the first period though uh, in terms of the substance there for you uh, I thought in the first period we turned the puck over 11 times uh, and I think that's what you're you're feeling in that regard um, you know, we talked about that. I thought it got better as the game went on. I thought we were a little bit more simple uh, through the neutral zone. We had 36 shots on it. We gave up 26. Um, I thought both goalies made saves tonight. I thought their team competed hard. It wasn't a perfect night for us in any way at all. Uh, I, th I saw a lot of uh, bobbled pucks, um, skate or stick to skate passing, uh, not as crisp as we had been. Um, but saying that, we we found ourselves with a 2-1 lead heading into the third period against a team that was competing uh, very hard against us. In the end, we made mistake in uh, got rolled out of a corner and beat to the net and ended up uh, with only one point instead of two along the lines of being sharp you've had a couple of days of practice like where does that kind of magically go sometimes because there's clearly some nights where the group just doesn't have it for yeah I, I think I wouldn't knock the effort I, I thought the effort uh, guys gave us what they had tonight um, but the polish certainly wasn't there. Sometimes when you have uh, that many days in between games, you get out of a little bit of a rhythm. But in the end, those are excuses. We try and find ways, not find excuses. In the end, we walked out of here with with uh, only one point. Uh, we felt we were in position. We did some uh, decent things tonight. Uh, we'll take our point and we'll move on. So any, usually, or almost every time a last place team posts a big upset like this, the, the initial thought from people is that uh, the upper echelon team 
took them lightly. Is there any truth to that, or is this one of those days where you? I don't think anybody in here, not certainly not in our uh, coach's room, or certainly not in our dressing room. Uh, everybody was quite quite clear what type of team the Columbus Blue Jackets are. They compete hard. They're well coached. Uh, they have some high-end players, and uh, in the end, they made a play in overtime to get the extra point. Um, but we did some good things. Like I said, it's it's the fact that uh, you know we're only walking out with one instead of two. Jay, you seem to have a few guys, uh, Poyarvi, Holloway, maybe specifically. They really seem to have a lot of jump, and we're creating some chances tonight. Yeah. Have you talked maybe what you've seen from those two specifically lately? Yeah, I think um, I'm seeing growth in both of them. Um, you know, Holloway, I, I see him making good decisions with the puck. Um, I, I see him doing things defensively, uh, where he's picking up on um, what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, um, and when he's doing that, he earns more ice time. Uh, I think he's looked dangerous in the offensive zone. Um, you know, I think he's got a natural chemistry with Derek Ryan. Um, but we kind of moved people around a little bit today. I thought Jesse was physical, spe specifically early in the game. And uh, he gave us all he had too. And uh, as I said, uh, it just didn't seem like we had the polish to our offensive side of things today that we normally would have. You sense at times guys were forcing pucks. The, the statute says 27 giveaways to mm. their 10. Yeah. And that really hasn't been an MO of your team for a while. So do, is it frustration there sometimes? Is, is it rust? What did you sense as far as the amount of giveaways you had? Well, you know, it goes back to Speck's question. After the first period, I think it was 11. Um, and, you know, I think it's a function of a few things. One is is you know, uh, puck decisions or puck management decisions. Um, the second thing is the other team was doing some things to get above us and try and frustrate us and make us pass through them rather than um, being a little bit more direct. Um, in the end, we didn't take care of the puck as well as we should have tonight. Uh, didn't get to put as much mileage on the other team's decor that we would like to. Um, there's two parts to that. One is that that's on us, and two, the other team did a good job too. You mentioned the goal in the third period, that it was a mistake coming out of the corner. Was it also a good power move going to the net? Was it a combination of both? Yeah, both. Yeah, I mean, that player uh, made a good move. He little uh, shimmy shake and then took us to the net. I thought we could have been a, hard, a little bit harder at the net as well. Um, but it's hockey. They made a good play. And, um, you know, they were able to to tie it up and, and then find the extra one in the overtime. And does Derek Ryan have more offensive ability than he's given credit for? He, on those ones where he breaks the clear, he invariably whether scores or the goalie has to make an awfully good save. Yeah, yeah, I know he's an underrated uh, skill level, um, probably because, you know, he he prides himself in being in the proper position all the time, and, and sometimes he doesn't take the risk that maybe some um, higher-end offensive players might take, but when he gets the opportunity, and if you look at the goalie scored, they were on the ice for a while. Um, most of his line mates were, were going to change and he found a little bit of daylight there took it and, and he made it count with a great shot thanks good yep thanks guys
Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Oilers settle for a single point tonight, 3-2 overtime loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was asked about Pugliarvi and Holloway. Pugliarvi played 11 minutes. Holloway played 13-28. They both had three shots on goal and five hits. We'll have them share the fourth star of the game tonight for Jandell Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. Yeah, I thought they were both excellent in this hockey game. Uh, Holloway continues to improve and impress, and I think one of the things that you heard Jay Woodcroft say there, which bodes well for Holloway, is he, he continues to make good decisions with the puck. And if you're a young player and you want to play uh, more minutes, well, do the right thing with the puck whenever you have it. And you'll see him. If he doesn't have a play, puts it in the right spot. The play doesn't die on his stick. His physicality has been uh, something I didn't expect from a skilled player coming out of college, yet he's very good at it. And he's one of those guys that absorbs a hit or throws a hit as someone's coming at him. Uh, yes, he had an excellent game as well. Uh, little snake bitten tonight. Easily could have had two or three goals. Uh, of all the shots that the Oilers had that did not go in the net, uh, yes, he probably had the most dangerous ones. Uh, so you would think eventually one of those will find its way to the back of the net. But again, the Oilers are going to get healthier, and they're going to get a couple back players back into the lineup. The play of Holloway and Pugliarvi, uh, they understand that. They want to stay in the lineup. They want to stay in the league. Games like this will help. All right, so the Blue Jackets beat the Oilers 3-2 in overtime. Edmonton's six-game winning streak is over. We're happy to hear from you on the hotline powered by CertainTeed. The pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. It's 780-496-0063. We'll also have more post-game reaction from the Oilers dressing room. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We'll bring it up the left side. Derek Ryan tying the game here at one here in the second. Puck shot into the Oilers zone will be icing against Columbus. Great hit by Jesse Poliarvi. Jesse Poliarvi went in and he flattened good Branson. And that led to an icing call. It's the little things that happen. Well, there's one of the five hits credited to the Bison King tonight. It's our crunch of the game for Cougar Payton Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. Blue Jackets up in the Oilers 3-2 in overtime. Kent Johnson, the game winner. The Oilers did not have a shot on goal in overtime. Blue Jackets had three, which is a lot. Usually, a lot of times the first one wins it. Um, I mean, Skinner, uh, Skinner, 23 out of 26 tonight. He made some good saves, did make a good save in overtime. Uh, earlier, but uh, he will take the overtime loss tonight. And uh, Corpusalo, as we were discussing, was excellent. And he makes 34 saves to get the victory. But yeah, the Oilers uh, didn't really get a good look in overtime. I, I mean, and then their best look was on a, a, a misplay by Goudreau behind right. the net, and Nugent Hopkins came out and missed the net, uh, but got the, their best opportunity. Uh, yeah, the, they start with Connor and Leon, and they just never really they had... They did win the face-off. They won the face-off, had control, but never got... They never came up with speed, never got their odd man break. Um, and then the Columbus Blue Jacks, actually a really weird play by Patrick Laine in overtime. From just inside the blue line, standing still, he 
decided he wanted to change and he fired it on net and you just don't give the puck away in overtime Skinner made an e easy save and all of a sudden the Oilers had control of the puck on that one you'd rather shoot it at your own goalie so that you get keep control of the puck but they eventually Kent Johnson who had a wonderful game had the two best scoring chances in overtime he scored on the second one and, and far be it to because these guys think on a different level but McDavid did try that black that backhand flip in overtime Drysdale was going down the middle, but it never really—it didn't look like it had much of a chance, and it got because you rarely you, see players try. They might try long passes, but they don't want to try a 50-50 pass. No, you right? don't want to hope a hope play yeah. because you've got control of the puck, and you know that when you're Connor and Leon, uh, if the play's not there, take a second, rewind, go back, because we've seen overtimes where the Oilers have had control of the puck for a minute, a minute and a half before they get that one chance they were looking for. Because on that one, that was the one I believe where the defenseman for Columbus caught the puck. Yes, and all of us, that's yeah, the one I'm thinking. Yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden, now you've just given the opposition the puck. And they do have three on three. The Oilers normally or almost always have the advantage in the high skill. But the Blue Jackets do have Liney. They do have Goudreau. And we saw it tonight. They have, they have a guy named Ken Johnson as well that's very speedy. Also tonight, Seattle back to scoring goals. 6-1 over Vancouver as the final. Senators beat the Islanders 2-1. Marner scores in overtime. Leafs take down the Rangers 3-2. Hurricanes beat the Stars 3-2 in overtime. The Oilers farm team, Bakersfield, losing 5-3 at San Diego. That's the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Okay, 780-496-0063. Anish is on the line. Anish, go ahead. Hey, Robin, Reed, how are you guys tonight? Good. So, just looking at the looking at the game tonight and really with the schedule they have coming. So, they have Chicago, then they have the week off, the All-Star week off, and then they're playing Detroit, Philadelphia, Ottawa, and Montreal. Yep. But just with the week off and then the, the space they have between the, the Columbus game and the Chicago game, do you think for a team like the Oilers who had a six-game winning streak going, are these uh, are these extended uh, days off better for a team in that situation? Not normally. Uh, it's one of those things when you're on a winning streak, you want to play every day. When you're on a losing streak, you need a week off. So, no, you don't you don't want a Christmas break. You don't want a All-Star break. You don't want a long stretch between games when things are going well for you. And I, I, I've read a couple articles where this where they said more or less that this is the worst time. For this break to come up so yeah uh, i don't believe that the reason they lost is they had days off but you, as a player you want to when things are going well you want to keep it rolling you want to keep because yeah. you got that feeling so yeah, it didn't it didn't help the oilers yeah, I, I i don't want to use it as an excuse either though because i mean if they're in the postseason and they sweep a series and the other team goes seven games you don't want to say, well, game one's a write-off because we haven't played for no, 10 days, right? But, but it is, it, there, as a player, you prefer playing all the time when things are going good. And when and when you're struggling, that's when you want the reset. That's when you want to get away from everything for a couple of days and then come back and pretend it never happened. Uh, the others just hit uh, a stretch. I mean, this will pay off as the season goes forward, all this time off. The rest they're getting, healing up of the bumps and bruises. But it just came at a bad time for the others. Yeah, and everybody's getting a bye week. Yep. So every, and, I mean, everybody has... The schedule's busy, but there are always lulls. Uh, I'm just checking all the bye weeks for the teams here. The Oilers are going to have nine games between, nine days between games. Yep. 
uh, every team has between eight and eleven. Most Ooh. most teams have eight or nine. So if, eleven. Uh, that would be a long three, break. Three teams have eleven, and they and they tack on the bye to the All Star break, yeah. right? So you either get it before or after. Because remember the first year they did it. Some teams got it in November. It was more like football. Everybody had it at a different time. Which isn't and it, then, not fair. And, t and teams didn't like that. If they were coming back off a bye that it, against a team that had been playing you yeah. know, every four, three or four times a week for a couple well, of weeks. Well, and uh, you want your bye week right around now so you can recharge. You don't want a bye week a month and a half into the season. It's it just silly at that point. When If it's in November, it's like, okay, we're not tired yet. We don't want this time off. And that means all the other games are going to be bunched together as you go into the playoffs. So I think the NHL has it right this time. Never got bye weeks when I played. No. So I wish I had yeah, a bye week. Yeah, you were week. always in the All-Star game, so you didn't get a break yeah. there? No, no, once. Well, I knew when you were in one, so I just assumed you were in all of them. I, I assumed they were going to pick me don't every year, too. they just keep inviting you every year if you well, make one? If my mom voted, I would have been in every year, but unfortunately, she only got to vote the one time. Um, but no, this uh, this bye week will pay off uh, for the Oilers and all the teams because you have better playoffs. A lot of guys get recharged and rested at, at this time, and they'll come back, and that's why the it'll be a sprint to the finish, and it should be a lot of fun. No Japanese Village goal light tonight. We only turn that on when the Oilers score five or more in a game on 630Ched.com. And whenever they do that, you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. Blue Jackets 3, Oilers 2 in overtime. Let's go down to the Oilers dressing room. Here's Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, maybe our, our chances that we, we didn't capitalize on. A um, couple, couple soft turnovers, too. Um, not not as sharp maybe as as we have been in the last couple of weeks so um take the point but obviously drop one do you think once you kind of got the lead that that might take a little bit of their flair away but it, it, it they seem to keep coming back they had a lot of kind of work ethic to yeah of course i mean they, they got they got a lot of pride you know every team um there's there's no teams all right looks like we lost uh leon but well, I think he was right what he said in an answer and a half. They weren't quite sharp enough. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, th this is a, it's, the Blue Jacks are not having a good season. But, and Bob made the point after the game. I mean, we, we covered Oilers teams that won 24, 27 games. So sometimes y you beat somebody. But the first period, they did have the puck a lot. But as Woody said, there were some turnovers. So they were getting the puck in there. But then there wasn't the finish or then there wasn't the shot that they wanted off the attack. Well, the one thing that you see when you have time off uh, and a team comes back, it's the execution isn't as good. When you're playing every second night or three and four or six and nine, the execution is better because it's just repetition and you're just doing it over and over again. But when you have some time off from games, all of a sudden you get into a game and, and we saw it tonight. I don't know how many times the others ice the puck with no pressure on them or where they tried to make a play in the offensive zone and missed the guy by five feet and we're not just talking you know the 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 third and fourth line guys and five six five. we're talking everybody in this game the skilled players were missing passes so the execution wasn't on um and it the others certainly paid a price for that um but this uh, columbus a bad a bad team and columbus on the season has been a bad team if they hang around in a game, their ears perk up, and they're like, we have a chance. So coming into the third period, they were losing by a goal, but it was just a goal. This is a team that gives up a lot. They're not a good defensive team. So normally they're down two or three, and they're on the bench, and the bench is down, and we're not going to be able to do it. But tonight, down one goal, 
you could see that first six, seven minutes of the third period, they came out hard. And they're like, you know, we can do this. Let's get a goal. This is the night we're going to break this, this long stretch on the road. And they did. And they were the better team in the third period because they had more desperation. They had more to play for because they don't win often on the road. So this was their chance. Just for the checking the stats here, the Blue Jackets have had the lead after two periods seven times this season. They're 7-0. and They are now 4-24-2 when trailing after two. So seven times having the lead after two, 30 times trailing, and then they've been tied 11 times. So it shows you they're not in a lot of hockey games, uh, which is surprising when you see the goaltending they have. Uh, but this is a team that's been battered by injuries and uh, inexperience. Like, that is a young hockey club tonight for the Columbus Blue Jackets. A lot of uh, young, inexperienced players. But what they did play, they played without fear. Um, they didn't seem intimidated by a, a veteran team that's playing very, very well. They were physical when they needed to. Uh, they they held on to the puck and made plays. It wasn't, there was no nervousness when there was a, an opportunity to make a play. They made the play. So uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets in the end of the night probably deserved that extra point. And they got it. Here's something interesting. They're 8-8-2 eight, eight and two against the Western Conference. Columbus. <laughs> wow. That's, um, that's pretty interesting considering that they're, well, they might have passed somebody in the in the East now, but uh, yeah, for 500 against the Western Conference. Uh, no, no, sorry. They're still way behind Montreal. I forgot the gap was, was that large. Um, but yeah, I, and that's, I, I never thought tonight, Columbus, that the effort wasn't there. Certainly, and we talked about this after both the first and second periods. There were times when the Oilers got going in the offensive zone. As you said, the the you know, that means Wierenski's a massive loss. 25 minutes and, a night. And, and you mentioned the youth on the back end. There were times when the Oilers did get it, it cranked up. You could tell they, they were hanging on a little bit, but I never felt like it was a, a lack of you know care or desire yep. or, or work. Sometimes they were just overmatched. Sometimes it was just a lack of talent yeah, on the back the, end. But then the Oilers didn't finish. Yeah, and, and the one thing that you saw, the, the Blue Jackets, uh, they brought everyone back to the house so that when Connor or Leon went past uh, a Blanken, is it Blankenship? Is that how you say uh, his Blankenberg, name? Blankenberg, I think. Blankenberg. When they went past him, there was a second layer and then a third layer. So they weren't allowing their inexperience or, or, or lesser players on the back and they weren't allowing them to be left on an island alone. They're like, okay, you keep him uh, away from the net and then if he gets by, we're going to come down and help. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think they're at any point in this game that I feel that well, this, it's a matter of time where the Oilers are going to take control of this game. And I have felt that in other games that the Oilers have played as of late. But tonight, I'm like, the Oilers are a little off. And the Blue Jackets, their, their urgency is, is more so than the Oilers. And you're just thinking, okay, it's right now it's a matter of can they get one by Skinner. And it was an ugly goal they got by him, but it was a hard-working goal. And that's what we saw out of the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight was hard work. All right, so the Blue Jackets take it 3-2 in overtime. We'll go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Adam. Hi, Adam. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I just wanted to point out three things on the night. And uh, the first thing on that is Connor McDavid had a great night again, and I think we're all lucky to have him. And uh, the second thing would be that... Uh, we're also lucky to have Zach Hyman. He's a workhorse, and he always puts in the effort. 
And uh, the third thing I would like to point out would be that uh, Stop had the uh, call on the night. He said that uh, that guy would score, and uh, he scored. So that's my point. Okay. Well, I mean, Hyman, if the, if the Oilers had won, we probably would have talked about his goal already, but he extends his point streak to six games. And I, I, I know sometimes he will score on a wrister or, or have a breakaway, but a lot of his goals are, he's, he's right there. He but. puts himself in a good position all the time. And that one, again, it's that's not an easy play. The, the puck is being shot wide on purpose uh, as Connor's aiming for the stick. The stick was about two and a half feet from the goal line and he had to direct it back towards the net uh, it, it's it's not easy NHL players struggle with that a lot but Zach Hyman put himself in the right position got his body between the defenseman and his stick Connor made the perfect pass and Hyman put it in the back of the net so Hyman just continues to to impress uh, I mean the Kane signing has been outstanding for the Oilers it's turned out very, very well. But I still find it hard to say that that's a stronger signing than Hyman. Zach Hyman is everything the Oilers could ever have imagined and that much more. I set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. One and a half points by Hyman. He has to settle for one tonight. Jennifer took the under, and Jennifer gets the $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. Blue Jackets beat the Oilers 3-2 in overtime. We also have Jason at 780-496-0063. Jason, what's on your mind? Hi, Reed and Rob. Um, Long-time listener. I listen every night and first-time caller. And I was just uh, a couple things tonight. I, You know, what what would a guy get? Could we do a uh, reunite? Pull your RV with Line a and and get a Goop Branson out of a deal. The money's almost the same. We'd get somebody that is a lot tougher. And I know Pull your RV's playing good, but we're all hell bent on uh, trading Pull your RV. I think Branson though. I think he's just started a contract in Columbus. I think he's got a brand new deal. This, I, this is a new one though. I like the new suggestions. Uh, yeah, Branson. Ha- he's 31 and he has three years after this one. That's an interesting suggestion, though, because everybody's been looking at Gavrikov, Gavrikov, Gavrikov. I like the Branson as a player, but I'm I'm guessing that if Columbus went out and signed him to a four-year deal, which they did, and he's got the he's got a ten-team no trade, so we have no idea if the Oilers are on it or not. But I just don't think Columbus would want to move him. I think they brought him in for a reason. They gave him four years, and he's halfway into his first year of his contract. But uh, that is a, a defenseman that you would love to have on your team. Uh, I love the way he plays, always have. But I, I don't know if the Oilers want him for three and a half more years. At, I think he's four million a year. He's, he's, yeah, four million a year. So. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I, we, I know, like, and I always joke on my show, too, about, but that's, that's a little different than some of the other ones we got. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I, good point on Pugliarvi. Um I don't think Pugliarvi is going to be a top six forward here in Edmonton. I just don't think they have room for him to do that. There's a lot of things he's doing very, very well in his role, his physicality, he leads the Oilers in hits. So there's a lot of things he's doing well, but he's, I'm not sure if he wants that as his role the rest of his career right. or not. And if I was a team, I would go to the Oilers and say, hey, I, we want to trade for Pugliarvi for the rest of this year. And then you get a 30-game tryout audition and see if this is something, if he can uh, reinvent himself as a top six player again on another team. So he, there, the potential's there. The skill set's there. The size is there. 
I just don't see him as a top six guy here in Edmonton simply because there's no space for him to do that. I, I got to uh, just mention this. Jack Michaels just sent me a note here because I mentioned the Blue Jackets record against the West, 8-8-2. Eight, eight and two. But Jack said you got to mention the record against the Pacific. They're 5-1-2 and two against the Pacific see, Division. They're, they're in the just, wrong division. They're in the wrong division. They need uh, to. Which is, yeah. That is a little surprising, considering as poor as they have been on the season. Uh, and it's one of those weird quirk things that you don't understand why it's that way. But uh, tonight, I, I thought they played well. They And they do have a skill set. They got some guys up front that are able to put the puck in the back of the net when given the chance. All right, so 3-2, the Blue Jackets take it in overtime. James H. Brown, injury lawyers, making a... $200 donation to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. They give 100 bucks per goal. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. You're going to hear from Tyson Berry. we got time to hear from you as well. 780-496-0063. We're live in Studio 99. It's Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. This report brought to you by Avalon Foundation Repairs, Western Canada's leading foundation repair company for over 50 years and home of the lifetime warranty. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Give the puck to Gaudreau. He's about top of the circle with Fogel on him. one nothing Columbus here in the second. Pass in front. One timer. Oh, what a save made by Skinner as Blankenberg had come in for the point. Here comes McLeod the other way. That's Stuart Skinner's save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. 3-2, the Blue Jackets win it in overtime. Skinner, that was early in the second period. Stopped Blankenberg on the power play. Goudreau had a breakaway about two and a half minutes later. Skinner made a good glove save, and that allowed the Oilers to then score a couple times and lead 2-1. However, uh, he couldn't stop Marchenko's quarterback sneak with uh, <laughs> eight and a half minutes left in the third period. Did, that, did Skinner actually tap that back in himself looking at the replay? I, 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 didn't th I thought uh, Marchenko tapped it in. I you think he got it. You think he get a second whack? I think he got a second whack when it went past the, the front of the net. Uh, I think that the Oilers took a long look at it for goalie interference. And I think at not when they decided that, I'm not sure which defense, it might have been Roberg pushed i think barry and kulak were on the ice for that one one right? of the defensemen guided or one of the oilers players could have been a forward yeah, guided yeah, him yeah, anyway. into the the goaltender because the goaltender skinner was did move he was turned uh by the blue jacket player but i think he was pushed into the net but you saw the others take a long long look and at the very end decided that uh they weren't gonna challenge it and the columbus blue jackets at that point had a lot of life as that tied it up in the third period. Yeah, I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that challenge would have gone. We're just gonna well, watch the goal here. Because yeah, he, 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 he came to the front of the net. Off he Barry. pushed, and you could see you could see he Skinner moved because of it. Yeah, S Skinner moved, but it was Barry that pushed him in there. And it's one of those ones you gotta. Okay, did he get guided in, or did he do it on his own? Could he have avoided the goaltender? It was a really nice move, hard to the net. Oh yeah, he got that second yeah. touch on it there. Yeah. yeah. It was a hard move to the net, and good on him. And I think that's the kid. I think he's nine and zero on the season. Uh, I think he's now eleven goals. No eleven assists. goals and no yeah, assists goals, on the year. No assists. Yeah. <laughs> he is a up for the Cy Young this year. But if you're taking it hard to the net like that, scoring goals, coach will be happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That's the play. It wasn't the overtime goal Woodcroft was talking about. If you remember earlier, said we had a guy spin off a yep. check in the. Yeah, goal. that was so, that okay, one. So Barry, yeah, Barry shoved him. And Marchenko, and then Kulak got pulled behind the net with the guy he was checking, as opposed to being there for for backup. Well, and, and gave a little bit of lane to walk in. It, it was a nice. It's kind of like uh, in basketball where all of the 
players on the offensive team move to the three-point line to pull everyone out so you kind of isolate a one-on-one. -on -one. And that's what it is. He isolated Tyson Berry one-on-one. -on -one. The bigger forward beat Berry to the net. Got two whacks at it. And the second whack, I mean, very fortunate that it found its way in. But when you put the puck in the blue paint and you go towards the net, good things happen for you. Big goal for a young kid. And again, one of the, the young future players uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets having a nice season, talented young player. Yeah. And then the, the game winner by another young player. Yeah, and I'm just watching this on, on repeat here. Yeah, I mean, McLeod's back. He had a crack at the puck. And then, you know, probably Skinner's thinking, yeah, I got to grab that or have the pad down. So a bunch of little things on that play. But Marchenko just kept working. I mean, he didn't, he, he could have taken, because he was knocked down. Or yeah. down to one knee, he could have taken the first shot, and oh, I got st I got stopped. There's three guys around me, but he's a goal scorer. Good goal on him. He's a goal scorer. He's not going to quit on one of those in the blue paint, and, and good on him. But it was it was something that you teach kids: take the puck hard to the net. Only good things can happen when you go to the net. In that one, uh, he was rewarded with a big goal. All right, so the Oilers' six-game win streak ends I again. They have got to six several times in the last two decades. They have not got to seven since they uh, got all the way to nine in a win streak uh, that started in February of 2001 and ended in March of 2001. So still still something that they're shooting for. 27, 18, and four now is their record on the season. Let's go back down to the dressing room. Here's Tyson Berry. Yeah, it's, it's a bit frustrating. I think we, you know, we had looks and chances probably enough to win the game. And um, yeah, it's frustrating. I don't think it was, uh, it certainly wasn't our best game, but, you know, we gave ourselves a chance and, you know, disappointing to let them come back. And then, you know, OT is kind of anyone's, anyone's game up there. Just the execution, you play six in a row. You play pretty directly for six games, shorter passes, hard hockey. And tonight there's a lot of east and west, a lot of long passes. Yeah, they, yeah, they, I mean, they, they seem to, you know, they played back a little bit and kind of sunk in and kind of challenged us to, to try to play through them. And uh, maybe we got a bit stubborn at times and didn't, you know, didn't dump it in and go get it or, or put it in good spots to get it back. But, um, I mean, give them credit. The goalie played well, and they, you know, they played, played a hard game and made it hard on us. Stuck around. You can't win them all, but this is one you kind of thought you should have won. Yeah, I mean, you look at the standings, definitely. Obviously, um, these, are, you know, these are the ones you want to have. We had, we've had success in these types of games before, and, um, you know, we get a point out of it. Obviously, we would like to. Thanks. Thanks. All right, some quick comments there from Tyson Berry. The, so the Oilers have been tied after 60 minutes six times. They're just two and four. Two and three in overtime, 0 oh and 1 in shootout. Two and three overtime really surprises you. Uh, just with what the Oilers are capable of putting out there. But uh, if you survive the first shift that the Oilers have, if you're the opposition, and then you start to feel, okay, you know what, we better get one here in the next minute and a half before that group comes out again. Uh, the Oilers just weren't as good in the third period as they needed to be. The Columbus Blue Jackets a little bit better, got the saves they needed, and at the end of the night, the Oilers fell uh, a little bit short and lost a point to the mighty Kraken. Uh, you know, Kane's probably going to be back for Saturday. Would you, would you do anything else lineup-wise? The quick change for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. Would you move away from 11 and 7 for Saturday's game? The problem with moving away from 11 and 7 is, for me, Darren is the guy that's probably going to get pulled out, and I don't think he deserves to. Um, I, I liked his game again tonight. Uh, Played 12:50. He was effective. Uh, at no point tonight when he was on the ice did I feel that he put himself into trouble or his, his team in trouble. He's been silent. And if they go to six, 
you would expect he'd be the guy that'd be coming out. So uh, for me, it's just I don't want to see them go to 12 and 6 simply because I like him in the lineup. I think he gives them an element on the back end they don't have. There's a, another time today he, he skated by um, Goudreau on the board, just gave him a little cross check. And again, a little cross check doesn't look like much except when it's a guy 6'7", 220 pounds, a little cross check hurts. And it's just kind of one of those, hey, I'm out here just in case you're wondering type of things. <laughs> uh, he just He's an effective player. So um, to me, I, I go 11-7 for that simple reason as I want DeHarnay in my lineup. 3-2, the Blue Jackets take it. Their goal scorers tonight, Jenner with a nice deflection. Marchenko and Johnson in overtime. Derek Ryan and Zach Hyman scored for the Oilers. Ryan was the second star. I didn't give the full three stars. Corpusello, Ryan, and Johnson for the three stars. You know, Ryan's up to seven goals. He had a partial breakaway and a good finish in the second period. And he had a couple other good chances, too. And the coaching staff has seen that a number of times in the third period. He came out with Leon. And I don't know if we would have thought at, se- at the beginning of the season that Derek Ryan in close games, late in games, he'd be out on the ice with the the, the second best player in the league. So uh, he's effective. Uh, he doesn't get as many chances as a lot of players, but he seems to capitalize on the ones he does get. And he, he's a guy that makes smart decisions. He's a, a professional. When he plays, it's, he, it's, it's, it's a simplified game. He knows where to be. He knows where to put the puck. And he's good enough that when he has the puck on his stick in a goal-scoring situation, he knows how to find the back of the net. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's another theme for tonight. Some of the Oilers' depth players were as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than their big guns. Oh, the, yes. For stretches of the game. Well, the Oilers' best chances, uh, take away the power play. Right. The Oilers' best chances came off the stick of Pugliarvi, off the stick of Holloway, off the stick of um, Ryan. Those players had the Oilers' best chances in this game. And normally, if uh, a fourth-line player or third-line player scores a goal for the Oilers, the opposition's in trouble. It's in addition to... Yes, because yeah. it's because the Oilers are going to get two goals from Connor and Leon. Uh, but tonight, the Columbus Blue Jackets did a very good job, five-on-five, against the Oilers' best players. Leon was minus two. Connor was minus one. Uh, it just... The finish just wasn't there for Yessi. The finish just wasn't there for Holloway. But as far as chances, the Oilers' best chances came off the sticks of their bottom six players. And you're going to hear from Derek Ryan when we get back. Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to Columbus. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. At center ice, picked up and brought in on the right side. Here's Ryan Scars! Derek Ryan! All right, that was Derek Ryan's goal, his seventh of the season. Halfway through the second period, it tied it at one at the time. But the Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to the Blue Jackets. Here's Derek Ryan. Able to pull two points out of that one. Um, yeah, I think it's always disappointing when you don't get two points. I think we let one slip away there, and um, credit to them, they played a good game, took advantage of their opportunities. I think it's one of those things people are looking at you, what happened, but maybe it's a, just as much, if not more, the other way. Like, when I came in here, they played hard, they, they didn't give up too much, and that they should maybe get more credit than sometimes a last place team can. Yeah, I think they they played well. There's no easy games in the NHL. Every every game is going to be hard. That being said, I don't think we played our best tonight. 
a lot of, uh, certainly the first half of the game, a lot of long passes, a lot of east-west 50-60 foot passes that weren't, uh, the direct game you'd been playing for six in a row didn't seem to show up till later in the game tonight, is that fair? Yeah, I think we maybe overcomplicated things a little bit. I think we're better when we're keeping it simple and getting in on the forecheck. Our forecheck is huge, huge part of our game. If we're getting it in and getting the puck back and then hemming teams in the ozone, then that's the, where we want to be. So the immediate narrative would be, oh, that they took him lightly. Is, is there some truth to that, or is this one of those games where you just didn't have your, your stuff? Um, I don't think we took them lightly at all. Everyone in here was prepared for that big game. We knew they were going to come out hard. They played Calgary hard, too, the other night. And um, they, we just didn't get to our game soon enough. And and um, tip your hats to them. They played a nice game. Clearly a point that you guys, you know, walk back. <clears throat> what do good teams do in this situation? You just you rattled off six in a row, and you had good control of your game. And a little disappointment here. What's next for a good team? We do the same thing if we would have gotten two points. We look to Saturday and next game, and we have to play one great game on Saturday. No, thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek. All right, that is Derek Ryan. Get more on this game, more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Our next game broadcast presented by Friesen Brothers is Saturday night, 6.30 face-off show. Game at 8 as the Oilers will take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Big thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here inside Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 6.30 Ched. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.